0: Welcome to Adjunctitis, a podcast to help you go from surviving to thriving with teaching hacks to reduce stress, save time, and avoid common pitfalls. I'm April Brown, an assistant professor of journalism at Cal State LA. I created this podcast for professionals who come into higher ed as professors, adjuncts or otherwise. I had a rough time, learned from my many mistakes, and I'm sharing some tips here so hopefully you have a smoother and more pleasant time. Welcome to episode 11, post-pandemic learning syndrome. That's what I'm calling it. It is not a recognized diagnosable syndrome as far as my cursory research has shown. However, I hope the following will give you a sense of what I'm referring to. The first few weeks of classes can give you an idea of whether you've got a good thing going or you need to radically retool. At a recent department meeting, a colleague said she's noticing things from students she's never seen before severe lack of interest, attention, poor participation, and it has been tough for many people to get back out into the world like we were before the pandemic. Research I mentioned in episode two can explain why, and if you missed that, you may wanna go back. Anyway, I started seeing a little bit of that myself my first day teaching a brand new class this semester. It was a bit daunting. For a moment, I was afraid it was going to go the same way she described hers. Imagine 20 brand new faces who knew nothing about me, looking at me skeptically. Why was I teaching this documentary class? There's a bit more pressure as we meet only one day a week, and our first day had been canceled due to Tropical Storm Hillary, which wreaked some havoc in the Los Angeles area. At any rate, after doing our Let's Meet activity, which I reference in Episode 9, they started to feel like they got to know a few of their classmates better. We have a lot of transfers who get nervous looking at a lot of new faces, and one of them told me he was really grateful I took the time to do that activity because he felt like the new guy and had trouble fitting in. So here's how I approached the rest of that class, and it's really the way I go about most of my classes. First, I look at my students as kind of any audience. How can I get their attention, get them intellectually and or emotionally invested, Sometimes laughing, having fun, with maybe some added elements that make them want to follow along and jump in. It's not stand-up comedy, but like stand-up, you have to have a plan set and be willing to go along with what your interactions with the audience are. Interject some wit and humor if it's working that day, as a professor who is not a stand-up comedian. You have to be ready for the hecklers and go on a riff if it's working. Like I said, not a stand-up comedian. I know stuff. So. As it happens, I am working on a documentary, and I could blather to them about it all day long. But I've seen enough dead eyes or closed eyes, students looking at their phones when they're bored. So instead, I thought about strategically drawing them in. First, I showed them a clip from the day I met the subject at an L.A. area car museum. He's a young boy with autism named A.J., who is passionate about cars and loves one in particular from the late 1940s called the Tucker 48. If it sounds familiar, that may be because the story about the car's creation and creator were made famous in the 1988 Francis Ford Coppola film, Tucker, The Man and His Dream. I'll put a trailer to the film and links to the videos I'm referring to in the episode 11 teaching tools section of our website. But I'm gonna play the audio here of AJ discovering that the museum had accidentally mislabeled a Tucker. Mislabel, mislabeled. So, which one's mislabeled? All of those are mislabeled? Yeah. Okay, so the blue one on the left, what should that be?
1: That is the 1948 Tucker Torpedo. Rear-engined, and it is a helicopter engine.
0: A helicopter engine in a car. six
1: helicopter engines.
0: That seems unusual Capable for... of 130
1: miles an hour.
0: What else was special about the Tucker? Safety. Safety? For example, what
1: kinds of features? Seatbelts,
0: back in the late 40s.
1: A, a dashboard that you could dive into in case of a crash. And if the windshields were to fall, up, fall out, They would pop out instead of you diving out of the windshield because every 25 seconds in 1948, someone dies.
0: In a car accident? Yes. And they have three headlights, which is unusual.
1: The middle head... So originally, the headlights and the front fenders were supposed to turn with the wheels, but it was too expensive. And so the middle one turns so you can see where you're going because cars, their headlights don't turn. And you can't see in the night.
0: And so this black car is not a Tucker?
1: No. This is supposed to go here. This is supposed to go here. Okay,
0: so they, somebody just didn't maybe put things back when they cleaned. I know it's not likely many students are interested in cars or kids, but I've tried to present it in a way where I'm asking for their help figuring out next steps. It's a little like leading them along, but giving them permission to put their own spin on the information I'm sharing. So I asked them to think about what in that video I might have found interesting enough to spin a documentary around. I got several different answers, including one from a student with autism in the class. And as it happens, when I asked the students how many of them knew someone in their lives with autism, at least half of them raised their hands. So after that, based only on what I've shown them, I asked them where they think the story could go. I tried to have them make personal connections to the subject matter and tell them I want to hear their ideas. It could influence the film, maybe online features or some other aspects, so there's a buy-in. And this can be hard to do for certain subjects, but if you can find a way to get them invested, conversation can go a long way. Getting them to work together can go even farther. So I had some group activities, some sort of research, and I do this in every class in part because my classes are generally long and they do tend to learn more when they're actively working on something. There is another issue I'm still facing since the pandemic. When we had that very rapid transition to online teaching, it was painful. In fact, my university was online only for the 2020-2021 school year. But I've noticed a little bit of a trickle-down effect as we've returned to in-person classes, where even now some students want the option to attend class remotely for any reason, simply because Zoom exists and we all know how to use it. Now, when COVID cases increase, I do think there's a valid reason for students or us to stay home and not spread what we have, but we're not set up to teach, at least in my university, to two audiences at once, the in-person students and the Zoom students and we're not required to do it. Sometimes, though, I feel like it would better serve students' needs, but it is not ideal by any stretch, even when I've done it. There's that old serving to master's phrase that comes to mind. I don't know if these are some of the issues you're having. I'm sure you're having others. If you have questions or issues you'd like me to address, please send them to questions at adjunctitis.com. Join our conversation on social. Right now we're at adjunctitis on threads, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash adjunctitis. You can also use the hashtag adjunctitis so we can form a community where questions can be asked and answered. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider leaving a review and a rating. Those can help other people find us too. Please spread the word and help those who ask you for help. It's good teaching, Karma. Adjunctitis is a Look At It This Way production. I'm April Brown. Thank you for listening. Class dismissed.